The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. All right. Take your Bibles, please. Turn to Psalm 29 with me. Psalm 29, and I'm going to ask you to stand one more time and, and respect for God and his word as we read. We'll read the entire psalm, Psalm 29. Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty, give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The glory of God thundereth. The Lord is upon many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaketh the cedars. Yea, the Lord breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. He maketh them also to skip like a calf. Lebanon and Syrian like a young unicorn. The voice of the Lord divideth the flames of fire. The voice, the voice of the Lord shaketh the wilderness. The Lord shaketh the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord maketh the hinds to calve, and discovereth the forest. And in his temple doth everyone speak of his glory. The Lord sitteth upon the flood, yea, the Lord sitteth king forever. The Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Let's pray. Father, glory to your name. You are beyond our ability to comprehend. You are greater than our, our highest thoughts. Your voice is powerful. Your voice breaketh the mighty cedars of Lebanon. And your voice breaks the humble heart. Thank you for all that are here today. I pray as we gather around your word that you would speak to us today. And that we would hear your voice. And that we would live as we should in your presence. Thank you for all that are here now. We ask you to bless in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. How many of you have ever heard of E.F. Hutton? Raise your hand if you have. A lot of you younger people don't know who E.F. Hutton was. E.F. Hutton was a financial advisor. And uh, they had a commercial years ago. It was usually people in a restaurant. And one would say, well, my broker says this. And another would say, well, my broker says this. And another would say, well, my broker is E.F. Hutton. And E.F. Hutton says, <gasps> and suddenly there was a silence in the building. Whatever was going on stopped. And everyone bent to ear. To hear what E.F. Hutton had to say. In my study preparing this message, I found that there are 722 passages of Scripture referencing God communicating with man. Terms such as, Thus saith the Lord, or God hath said, or God doth speak. 722 passages. 
And still, men do not listen to God. Certainly, one would think that when God spoke, or when God speaks, man would give his undivided attention to every word. But, alas, such is not the case. The Bible remains among the world's best-selling books. I looked this week, and according to Guinness World Records, the Bible is the best-selling book of all time, with an estimated 5 billion copies sold and distributed. The familiar observation that the Bible is the best-selling book of all time obscures a more startling fact. And that is that the Bible is the best-selling book of the year every year. The amount spent annually on Bibles has been put at more than half a billion dollars yearly. One half, half a billion dollars are spent on Bibles every year. That's a lot of money, isn't it? How many of you would like to have a half billion dollars? But from the condition of man today, it's obvious that while many are buying Bibles, few are actually reading them or comprehending them. We as a nation have turned our backs on God. We have stopped our ears to his voice. We have removed God and his word from our schools. We've removed them from our government halls. We've removed them from our university campuses. We've removed them from our workplaces. And we've removed them from our very lives. God, however, continues this morning, as he has from the beginning of time, to speak to men. But men do not listen. Now, let me state clearly, God today does not come to you or to me with an audible voice and speak. He doesn't do that. Not today. Yet he speaks as clearly today as he did when he spoke with Adam in the Garden of Eden. We just need to learn to listen. And we need to learn to hear God's word to us. So how does God speak today? Well, a couple of thoughts here real quick. God speaks to us through the written word. In Hebrews chapter 4, in verse 12, we read, For the word of God is quick, that means it's alive, and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. When I read this precious book, it comes alive 
and speaks to me. And every believer here this morning can testify to the same thing. So God speaks to us through the written word. But God also speaks to us today through preaching. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 17. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear. Now, my words this morning are not inspired. I cannot stand here and claim to have inspiration from God as I speak to you. They're not inspired. They are, however, empowered. They're empowered by the Holy Spirit. As you sit in your pew and you listen to me, God uses the words that will be spoken to convey to you his message today. That's one of the reasons why it's so important you make sure to whom you have submitted yourself for preaching. I think of Brother Jorge just a minute ago. He mentioned that he and, and Richard and Kyle, they're going, they're going to go to, I, I like the way he said that, we're going to prison. You don't just say that and leave it there, brother. You have to say, we're going to preach in the prison or something. Listen, those, those men that they're, to whom they're going to preach, that just might be the only thing they'll ever hear from God. And it isn't God, it isn't God inspiring Jorge to preach to them but it's God empowering the true message that Jorge will preach through his Holy Spirit to them. And God speaks to us through preaching. But God also speaks to us today through the Holy Spirit. In John fourteen twenty six, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Now we know that man cannot, natural man cannot discern spiritual things. The Holy Spirit must communicate them to man. You and I cannot comprehend this book without the teaching of the Holy Spirit. Do you understand that? Sorry, you might, be, you might be a college professor. You're not going to understand what's in here without the Holy Spirit. It's not going to happen. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. The Holy Spirit communicates them to us. So it stands to reason that God speaks to you and he speaks to me through the Holy Spirit. Now, I think we've established that God does indeed speak to us today. And we've also established how he does this. So that part of my message is done. So now I want to move on to the next part. 
And this morning I have three questions to pose concerning this subject of when God speaks. So let's move forward now. Number one, when God speaks, do you hear his voice? Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 24. And ye said, Behold, the Lord our God hath showed us his glory and his greatness, and we have heard his voice out of the midst of the fire. We have seen this day that God doth talk with man, and he liveth. When God speaks, do you hear his voice? A voice is a unique characteristic. A person can be identified just by their voice. Do you realize that? When I grab my phone and I, I dial my dad's phone number and I put it to my ear and he answers on the other end, I say, hey, dad. And he goes, well, hey, son. I have two sisters. When, when he answers the phone, I don't say, hey, dad. And he says, who's this? Is this Ginger? Is this Kathy? Is this Lou? Is this Dalton? He doesn't have to ask that question. And why? Because my voice, he, he, under, he recognizes my voice. You know, I, I read this story in, in the penguin species. Birds breed in large colonies where nest sites are often densely packed, providing enormous possibility for confusion. In these species, it has been proven that individual recognition between mates and between parents and their chicks is achieved by acoustic signals. I've seen this on National Geographic. 10,000 penguins. And one of them will make some noise and another one will poke his head straight up. Now, how? wait a minute. How do you hear it through all that? Because he recognizes that sound. And for the believer, we should recognize the voice of the Lord. You should be able to identify true preaching and false preaching. You should be able to identify between the word of God and the word of man. <clears throat> Each of us here this morning must not only hear the voice of God, but we, we must respond to that voice as well. Let me give you a, a few thoughts about this. First of all, letter A, we are to hear the call unto salvation. John chapter 10, we read, Jesus answered them, I told you and ye believe not the works that I do in my Father's name. They bear witness of me, but ye believe not because ye are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. All of you here this morning can hear my voice, but my voice cannot save you. The question is, do you hear the voice of Christ this morning as I preach his word? Only his voice can save 
In Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, we read, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Only the shepherd can save the sheep. And Jesus is the shepherd. And I am the sheep. In John chapter 10, we read, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. The sheep hear the voice of the shepherd. And they follow him. Do we hear the voice of the shepherd this morning? But not only do we have the call unto salvation, but the Father also gives us the call unto separation. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's all turn there together real quickly. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And let's look at verse 14. I'm sorry. Yeah, verse 14. (laughs) 2 Corinthians 6, 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you. You shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. The call unto separation. The Lord has called us to come out and be separate. Not to blend in. Not to conform. And we've, we've studied this carefully. And what the Lord, is, the Lord isn't, tell, isn't telling us here to come out of, of um, the fellowship with unbelievers. He's telling us to come out of the worship with unbelievers. This passage of scripture is dealing primarily with, with worship of God. We're not to be aligned with Belial. We're not to be aligned with idols. We're not to worship as the heathen worship. We're to be separate. We're to come out from among them and be separate unto the Lord. We've been admonished to be transformed, to be, or to change, or to alter in form, or our appearance, or nature. We're to look and behave different from this world. We are to be noticeably different. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, But ye are a chosen generation a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And this is referring to our entire life, not just our outward appearance. There are many who change the outside, but inside they're the same as they were before. Listen, the Lord is primarily targeting the inside here. When he tells us to be separate and to be peculiar. In Matthew chapter 23, he addressed the Pharisees. He says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and full of all uncleanness. 
Even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. (laughs) How often do we see it? How often do we hear it in America today? Men who claim to be religious leaders, men who claim to be uh, people of God, yet they are they are they are proven to be in their wickedness, pedophiles, robbers, thieves. You see, outwardly they they dress up nice and they they comb their hair real pretty and they get white their teeth whitened so that when they shine they sparkle. And, and they get on the TV and they, they talk real, real, real high and holy. But inwardly, Jesus said, inside, which is only the, which is the part that only Jesus sees, inside, he said, you're full of dead man's bones and all uncleanness. No, we're, we're called to be different. We're called, we're called to glorify God from the inside out. Listen, let me tell you something. (laughs) If the inside is right, the outside will be right. But just because the outside looks right, doesn't mean the inside is right. And then we see the call unto service. In Joshua 24, verse 14, we read, Now therefore fear the Lord. And serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt. And serve ye the Lord. God calls for his people to serve him today. In the home. On the job. During recreation. We are to serve God. I remember many, many years ago we went camping. Uh, my wife and my son and myself. And at lunch, it was really a hot day. It was a really, really hot day. And for lunch, I said, let's go to Denny's. I love Denny's. Denny's is cheap. <laughs> I love that. We went to lunch at Denny's. And the waitress delivered our food. And I told my wife and my son, I said, let's pray. And we bowed our heads and we prayed for our meal right there in Denny's. And she came back over when we finished and she said, did you just pray? I said, yes, we prayed. She said, I've been working in this restaurant for five years and I've never seen anyone bow their heads and pray. You see, you serve God all the time, folks. You don't even know sometimes. When you're glorifying the Father. And that's what we're called to do. Amen. We're called. Our lives are to glorify God. That's what we're supposed to do. So do it all the time. This would imply honesty. Integrity. Compassion. Witnessing. It would imply living in the spirit. And Exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. So first this morning, when God calls, do you hear his voice? But then second, my question is, when God speaks, do you heed his command? 
Do you hear his voice when he calls, when he speaks? And listen, it's not easy to hear God's voice sometimes. Sometimes there's so much noise around us, and sometimes there's so many distractions that God's voice kind of gets drowned out. It's like a radio. You've got to tune that radio in to get that station. And you and I, have to, we have to be still and quiet. And we have to tune our hearts to listen for the voice of God speaking to us in whatever way he may come and speak to us. 1 Samuel chapter 15. Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. And to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord. He hath also rejected thee from being king. Now we know the story here right? God had commanded Saul to go and utterly destroy Amalek. To kill all the men, all the women, all the children. But he didn't obey. He kept the women alive and the children. And he kept some of the sheep and the cattle. And when Samuel came and confronted Saul with his disobedience. Saul said, well, I didn't know, but that maybe the Lord would want a sacrifice. So we, we kept these sheep and these cattle alive so we could, we could make a sacrifice unto God. Sounds real good, doesn't it? It's what my grandma used to call hogwash. And Samuel told him, does God desire sacrifices above obedience? And that's a good question for today, isn't it? It's a good question for Americans. Does God desire sacrifice before obedience? It's like I said earlier, if the inside's right, the outside would be right. If we're obeying God, we'll be giving him the sacrifices he desires. So we need to learn to obey. But why do men disobey God? Well, I wish I could answer that question. Because if I could answer that question, I could keep myself from disobeying God. However, what I do know is that obedience to God is a choice that we make. We either choose to obey or we choose to disobey. Romans chapter 7, Paul writes, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would I do not but the evil which I would not, that I do. When God speaks, do we heed his command? Do we obey his word? Now, I don't, I don't profess to have arrived in this matter. Neither do I profess to have all the answers and know why men disobey God, but there are a few very obvious reasons as to why we disobey. First, we disobey because of doubt. Because of doubt. Mark chapter 9. 
Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. And what this man is saying is, Lord, I want to believe, but I need your help. How often do we fail to follow the admonitions of the Lord because in our hearts we doubt? But not only do we doubt because, or we disobey because of doubt, but we doubt because of our own unworthiness. We have the opinion God could not possibly love someone like me. Now this goes back to the philosophy that God saved me because of something good that he saw in me, and we know that's not the truth. God saved me because he chose to save me to bring glory to himself. He chose to save me, and he chooses to bless me, not because I am worthy, but because Christ is worthy. He does this for Christ's glory and not my own. We doubt or we disobey because of doubt. We doubt because of our unworthiness. But we also doubt because of our own unwillingness. You ever hear the philosophy of man that says God only helps those that help themselves? How many of you have ever heard that? Can you find that in here for me? Anybody, can anyone find a scripture that says God only helps those that help themselves? Because I was helpless. I couldn't possibly help myself. I couldn't possibly do anything to save my own soul. And God redeemed me. No, I'm not worthy. Absolutely I'm not worthy. I don't understand why he chose to save someone like me. But he did. And you know what? I'm not going to spend... The rest of my life trying to figure out why, I'm just going to say hallelujah and thank you, Lord, that he did. God continually delivered Israel, even though they were never willing to fully follow him. God's faithfulness to us does not depend upon our willingness. This is a human philosophy, not a divine one. No, God is faithful to us regardless of us. He is faithful to me because he promised he would be faithful to me. Not because I am worthy, because I am not. And not because I am willing, because I am not. Simply because he is. We disobey because of doubt. But then secondly, we disobey because of fear. Turn with me to Daniel chapter 3. Everybody go over to Daniel. Chapter 3. If you haven't found it yet, just look intelligently at whatever page you're staring at. Verse 10. Daniel chapter 3, verse 10. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, 
shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, that he shall be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. That's kind of harsh. If you don't bow down and worship my idol, when you hear the music, I'm going to burn you to death. And that fear caused many to disobey the Lord. But there were some that didn't. Look at verse 16 with me. Same chapter, verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. That word careful means fearful. You see, they refused to bow down when the music played and they they were brought before the king and the king said, is it true that you're not going to bow down to my image? And they looked him square in the eyes and said, we're not afraid of that, of you. We're not afraid of your, your command, your order. We're going to obey the God. We're going to obey God. We're going to obey the Lord. Many today choose to disobey because of fear. Many Christians, believers in America, they, they, they cower down to the world because of fear. Afraid of what others may say. Afraid of what others may do. Afraid of what others may think. Well, ponder this for a moment. In Luke chapter 12, verses 4 and 5, the Lord instructs us. He says, And I say unto you, my friends, Be not afraid of them that kill the body. And after that, have no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him which after ye hath killed, hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. The spirit of the Antichrist wants you to doubt. He wants you to fear. But we know that Christ is greater than Satan. And we know that Christ dwells within us. Therefore, according to 1 John chapter 4 and verse 4, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We disobey because of doubt. We disobey because of fear. But then we also disobey because of selfishness. I don't have time to turn to Mark chapter 10. You can read that later. But in Mark chapter 10, we find the rich young ruler who came to Jesus and said, Good master, what what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus explained to him what he needed to do. And the scripture says that man went away sad. And the reason he went away sad is because Jesus had told him, Give all your wealth and come and follow me. See, this young man was not willing to part with his wealth. He was selfish. And this selfishness led him to disobedience to the truth given him by Christ. Now, what about, what about us today? Do we allow doubt, fear, and selfishness to keep us from obeying God? Who will we trust? Will we trust God? Or will we trust our own depraved heart and mind? In Proverbs chapter 3, we read, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. We must commit our way unto the Lord, and trust in his righteousness to guide us. When God speaks, do you hear his voice? 
When God speaks, do you heed his command? And then thirdly this morning, when God speaks, do you hasten to do his will? In John chapter 4, Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Say not ye there yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. The enemy of every believer is procrastination. The idea that I can do it tomorrow. I will read my Bible tomorrow. I will serve in my church tomorrow. I will serve the Lord tomorrow. Solomon in Proverbs chapter 27 wrote, writes, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Jesus warned of this philosophy of putting off until tomorrow what you know must be done now. In John chapter 9 and verse 4, he writes, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. This is the mistake of many young believers today. This idea that I'm still young and I have lots of time to start serving God. But James in James chapter 4 writes, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Solomon warned us about putting off our obedience to God. In Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 10 we read, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. Has God spoken to you about serving him? Has he laid it on your heart this morning to do something in his service? Then don't put it off for another moment. Get busy and start serving God this afternoon. Whatever it may be. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. By the way, that's important why we be careful what we find in our hands to do. Because whatever, whatever we're doing, God expects us to do it fervently. So we need to live honest lives. Lives of integrity. We need, to, we need to do the right things. So that the things we do, we can do with all our might. And we can do them unto the Lord. Just remember this. Today is yesterday's tomorrow. Tomorrow never comes. Because tomorrow there will be another tomorrow. And so forth. No tomorrow. Today. Now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. Serve God today. Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. Forget the past. Don't fret over the future. Live in the present. Be a today Christian. Pray, study, labor, and serve God today. <laughs> when God speaks, do you hear his voice? Is he calling you unto salvation? Maybe some here to this, this morning... You, You'd say, I, 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 I don't understand everything you're talking about. I, 
I, I, I feel God calling me, but I, I don't understand what you're saying, everything that you're saying. Well, in Romans chapter 10, Paul writes, but what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Is God calling you today unto separation or, or unto service? In Isaiah chapter 6, the prophet writes, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. Will you heed his commands today? Will you obey, or will you rebel? Will you hasten to do his will? Or will you delay your obedience to God? Will you put off obedience until it is too late? You see, here and now is where you must choose. I'm, I'm sorry. But you have to choose. You're going to obey are you going to disobey? You're going to follow? Or are you going to go the other way? You're going to serve the Lord? Or are you going to serve the flesh? What are you going to do? Joshua said, Choose you this day whom you will serve. In my, in my house, I've got a plaque on the wall that says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Make a choice. And then stick with it. But take this verse for confidence. John chapter 14 and verse 4. Jesus said, whither I go ye know. And the way ye know. The Lord does not leave us. He does not forsake us. He leaves us with his word. God speaks today. It's not a big booming voice from heaven. But God speaks to us today through his word. Through preaching. Through his spirit. The question is not does God speak. The question is are we listening. Let's pray. Father. Thank you for this time today. Lord, where would we be without your word? We'd be, we'd be lost. We, we'd have no direction. But we thank you, Father, that you speak to us today through your written word. You speak to us today through your men, your preachers who pre preach the gospel and preach truth. You speak to us today when we, when we study your word and your spirit speaks to our hearts and teaches us all things. Now, Lord, the world would want us to think that God doesn't speak. And God is sitting on a throne somewhere and he doesn't care about you. He's not concerned with 
with you. He doesn't speak to you. He doesn't answer your prayers. That's what the world wants us to think, but we know better. And Lord, I pray that each of us would serve you in our hearts and would would carry the gospel message into our communities and that we would use our voice to preach your truth and, and Lord, you will speak to men. So bless us today as we as we come together in this place. Use us. Use us, Father, to serve you as, as we must. And we'll, we'll give you the glory and the honor and we'll thank you and praise you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronert Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.